appreciate it. Again, glad you're here. Glad you made the effort to be here. Uh, something I'm working on, I've been working on, is I've, I've been studying, uh, and it, it comes up, and you've heard me say it a bunch of times. In fact, you've heard me say it a bunch over the years, but I truly believe we're at a crisis point that what the world needs is men. What the world needs is godly men. What our churches need are men. What, what our families, our wives need are men. And Satan has, has pulled that away from us. He has distorted what it means to be a man. He's messed us up or we're not even seeking uh, to be a man that would look like Christ would have us to be. And the result of that, look at, look at our nation, look at our, our schools, look at our communities. We are missing men who would say, you know what, I'm led by the word of God and I'm going to stand up as a grown man and live for, for my Savior, Jesus Christ. Well, uh, understanding that, then I want to ask the question today, and we're going to start a new study. Does it matter how we live? Actually, does it matter how we live? And, and I think we've gotten the mindset that's really just about putting your faith in Jesus Christ. And you know what? God understands, and if you'll just put your faith in Jesus Christ, he, he does forgive us over sin, but you know what? How we live is, a, is kind of a secondary matter. It's about being saved, having eternal life, and isn't that the main thing? And I'm not sure we're really making the connection. Uh, that, and so the question is today, does it matter how we live as a follower of Jesus Christ? Now, when I say that, I want to be sure you understand it is not about a set of rules. And I think sometimes we have promoted that. We've acted like that. It's not, well, here's your rule book and let's not mess this up. Uh, It's not about a set of duties that you have to prove your commitment to God. It's not about that. Well, if you'll do these things, we'll see, man, you're in it and you're committed. It's not about a set of rules. It's not about a set of duties. It's not about that. But what it is about, and I want this to come out of our verses today, it is about living in view of Jesus Christ, uh, with an understanding of Jesus Christ, with the understanding of our salvation. And so I do want to say, yes, it matters how we live, not as a rule book, not as a checkoff list, not trying to impress God or impress anybody else, but really with an understanding of who Jesus Christ is, it absolutely does matter uh, how we live. Today we're going to start a study in Romans chapter 12, an awesome chapter. I'm not sure how long it's going to take us to get through it. We're going to go verse by verse, uh, but we're going to look at the Christian life as explained to us in Romans chapter 12. Today we're just going to cover one verse, Romans chapter 12, verse 1. I'll read that verse and then we're going to break it down. We're going to see what God says, where God leads us in this verse. And so Romans chapter 12, verse 1 says this, Christian life. Here we go. Therefore, I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. Now listen to that again. There's a lot there. Therefore, I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. All right, that's the first verse. I'm going to walk us through it piece by piece. The verse starts off, and in each word, I want you to understand it's very important. It starts off and it says, therefore, therefore. Now, now understand, for 11 chapters here in, in the book of Romans, the letter to the Romans, Paul has told them, he has told the, the Christians in Rome, and he's also told us, 
what God gives us by faith in Jesus Christ. And if you want to look at those first 11 chapters, he is telling them, he's telling us what we have by faith in Jesus Christ. Well, understand, by our faith in Jesus Christ, we have hope. Where the world doesn't have hope, we have hope. We have peace. We have peace that the world can't give, that the world can't even really understand. Uh, By faith in Jesus Christ, we have reconciliation. We have forgiveness of our sin by the payment of our sin through the sacrifice of Christ. Now, I could go crazy right there. We have the forgiveness of our sin. And sometimes I tell people, I don't know what that means to you, but I know what it means to me to have a clean slate, to be forgiven of my sin. That's what I have by faith in Jesus Christ. We have the payment for our sin. Because of that, we have the forgiveness of our sin. We have restoration. We have what was messed up and sin is, is restored in Jesus Christ. We have renewal. The Bible says we are new in Christ. We have renewal by faith in Jesus Christ. We do have eternal life. Praise the Lord. We have, we have a, a, a hope that outlasts the grave and the cemetery and, and the service that we have over here. And all of those things are the gift of God through Jesus Christ. Peace, hope, forgiveness of sin, reconciliation, renewal, all of those things by faith in Jesus Christ. So Paul says, so therefore, 11 chapters of what God gives us in Christ And so now, therefore, we're going to hear what our response should be. What do we give him as our response? Now, therefore, this is what you have. So, therefore, this is your response. This is what we give him. He says, therefore, I urge you. The word urge uh, really really has a couple different meanings, but the the best is uh, I encourage you. Therefore, in light of that, I encourage you. I exhort you is, is what, he, what it could be translated. And I think we would probably say today, I call you. Paul says, in light of that, 11 chapters of that, therefore, I call you. Be very sure right here, it does matter how we live. And so Paul calls for a right response. He encourages a right response. Let me, let me just say, and I, this is what I figured out in 14 years. Uh, let, me, let me say this. I tell people, man, I tell them all the time, you ought to read your Bible. You know why? God's going to tell you how to handle your finances. He's going to tell you how to live as a married person. He's going to tell you how to raise your kids, how to raise your grandkids. You ought to read your Bible. I tell people all the time, you know, you ought to be in church. It's it's not a punishment. In church, you're going to hear the word of God explained. You're going to be around other believers. And I say, you know what? The best thing is that you would would be in church and you'd bring your family to church. I tell people, you know what? it's It's an awesome thing for you to find your place and serve. You're not just a consumer, but to, to find your place and serve. You know what? People will be blessed in that. The church will be blessed in that. You'll be blessed in that. I tell people, and if you've been around me, you hear, I tell people, you know what? You ought to be the man that God called you to be, the husband. Your wife is looking for the husband that God built for her, the, the dad, the granddad. I tell people that stuff all the time, and here's what happens most of the time. Most of the time, people agree. I've never had anybody disagree. They always say, you know what, that's right. I ought to do that. That's a good thing. I ought to be that person. Uh, I, I, they say, yes, that would be good. I, I, most of the time, they have good intentions. But here's what I've noticed. Most of the time, 
it never happens. And, and if it does happen, it doesn't happen for very long. It doesn't happen for very far. And I, I, I've sat and I've wondered what in the world, what would it take? And here, here's the truth. You're not going to do those things out of a duty. You're not going to do those things because I made you a checklist. You're not even going to do those things because I tell you it would be the best thing for you. You have to see Jesus Christ. You have to see Jesus as your Savior. You know what? You have no hope outside of Christ. You have to see him as your Savior. You have to see who he is, the perfect Lamb of God who leaves the glory of heaven. He didn't need anything here. And he comes and he's beat beyond recognition, the book of Isaiah. They pull the beard out of his face. They nail him to the cross. You have to see Jesus on the cross. You have to see Jesus resurrected from the dead, alive, victorious. You have to see Jesus as the king that is coming. You have to know who he is and you have to know what he has done. And when you, when you start to see Christ, you know what? It's, it's not a rule book. You know what? It's not, it's not a duty. It is a response. And so Paul says, I encourage you, I call you to have the right response. All right, so here we go. Therefore, I urge you, brethren. Now, this is talking to Christians. And I'll just tell you this. If you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ, this doesn't pertain to you. I hope you would see this and put your faith in Jesus Christ. But this is talking to Christians. Therefore, I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God. Be sure to understand this. We do this because of God. We do this in God's power. We do this in God's mercy. I want us to be very clear. This is not possible apart from God. Sometimes we think, you know, I'm tough enough. Man, I got willpower. This time I'm not going to mess it up. And we start off and we try to do it in our own power. It will not work. It is not possible apart from God. In his mercy, he saves us. In his mercy, he empowers us. In his mercy, he fills us with the Holy Spirit of God. In his mercy, he convicts us. Sometimes we think, well, that's a bad thing. It's a good thing for God to say, you know what, that's not going to work. That's not going to end well. In his mercy, he convicts us. He fills us with the Holy Spirit. In his mercy, he gives us the Bible, the Word of God. He doesn't say, well, I hope you figure this out. Well, go and guess and see how this goes. He gives us, in his mercy, the Word of God. He puts all of that in us through us, through Jesus Christ. And so understand, our response is going to happen in the mercies of God, by the mercy of God. All right, at this point of the verse, we're going to start to see the start of our response. Now, our response is going to go the rest of the 12th chapter. But you know what? In the mercy of God, in the power of God, in the grace of God, led by the Word of God, filled with the Spirit of God, this should be our response to Jesus Christ. All right, here we go. It says to present. The word for present means to give, to submit. Really present is a pretty good word. You know what? Your response to Jesus is to present, to give your bodies, your bodies. Now, if you go look up that word, it's it's a bigger word than we're thinking. Uh, It is your physical body, but more than that, it's talking about really the totality of who you are, the totalness of of who you are. It's talking about your body, but it's also talking about your mind. It's talking about your emotion. It's talking about your intellect. It's talking about the actions, the things that you do in your body. But it's also talking about the thoughts that are inside and control your body. 
Give your bodies, present your bodies, who you are, all of you. It says, present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice. Now, each of these are very important. Present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice. Now, uh, these folks for thousands of years had watched sacrifices made to God. They had to make two a day. They had to make so many a week. They had to make so many a month. They had special events as well, the Day of Atonement. They had watched thousands of sacrifices as a covering for sin, as the atonement for sin, bulls and rams and goats, even birds, peace offerings, sin offering, wave offerings, that was their worship. That was, that was their, their way of having a relationship with God. That's how sin was covered over, how sin was atoned for. And so understand, these folks had watched death after death after death after death. And we, we sometimes think, well, a sacrifice is made. Listen, they take this calf, they take this, this goat, this perfect yearling goat, this perfect lamb, and they would cut its throat and it would make this last bleat, and then it would die, and its air would run out, and the blood would run out, and they would do the things and prepare it this way, and they would dip this branch in that blood, and they would shake it on the, the, on the mercy seat, and they would do these things death after death after death. And now Paul says, your response is a sacrifice, but it's no longer a goat. It's no longer a ram. It is yourself. Now, now see the picture here in the New Testament, but it's not dead, it is alive. It, it's not a death, it, it is alive. Understand this, God doesn't want our death, he wants our life. And so do you start to see the picture come together, does he care how you live? Listen, he doesn't want your death, he wants your life. As believers, Christ paid the death, that's what the cross is about, and so our response is to live. He paid the debt. Our response is to live for Christ. Be very sure of this. Your response to the cross of Calvary, your response to Jesus Christ, your response, if you give anything about the forgiveness of sin, your response to a Savior is to live for Jesus Christ. Some goofy thing. We think getting saved is the end of it all when really putting your faith in Christ and being saved is the start of it all. And with hearts that are thankful, when I understand who Christ is and when I understand what he did, when I see Jesus, when I love Jesus, my response is to live for him. Let me ask you a question. Here it is Thursday. Here it is in February. Here it is already 2020. Let me ask you the question. So who are you living for? What would your wife say? What would your neighbor say? What would the person you just ran into doing business two hours ago say? Our response to our Savior is to live for Jesus. Who are we living for? I, I want to show you something else here. It says a living sacrifice. He wants our life. It's not our death. Jesus paid that. But it also says a holy Sacrifice. Now, we're, we're having trouble with that, a holy sacrifice. Now, what that means, I want to make it plain, the word holy means set aside to him. Now, we hear the word holy, and I'll just be honest, we think some religious word, oh, 
holy, that's holy, and this is holy, and, and that's a holy place over there. All that, that it actually means is set aside to God. Now, now it, it is this word that just means that, but I want to tell you, it also is a very important word. The word does matter. Now, let me make it very practical today. God doesn't want your life partially. God doesn't want your life divided. You see, that, that's kind of how we, we operate when we deal with him. He doesn't want your life half in the world and half given to him or 70% in the world and 30% given to him. He doesn't want what's left of your life after you did what you want to do and after you set your priorities and after you've run your course, after you've participated in the garbage things of this world, he doesn't want what's left over of your life. He wants your life set apart, set aside for him. And so let me just tell you this. Does it matter how you live? It absolutely matters how you live. We, we act like, and this is, this is just how we act, especially as men, we act like I'll do what I want to do and I'll go where I want to go and I'll watch what I want to watch and I'll use the language I want to use. You know what, God will forgive me for that. He understands me and how I was raised. And you won't be able to tell me from the rest of the world, I'll look just like the rest of the world. And when I get done with all the things that I want to do, I'll bring him the rest. Let me ask you this. Is that really going to be your response to the cross? Is that really going to be your response to Jesus? God gives his only begotten son and you say, you know what, I'll, I'll rake up the pitiful things that are left after I've done what I want to do and that's what I'll bring to you. Is that really going to be your response to Christ, it says the sacrifice is acceptable to God, pleasing to God. Then the last of the verse says, which is your spiritual service of worship? Therefore, I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of God. Your spiritual service of worship. Your spiritual service of worship. What that last phrase there means, worship. Now, this is my definition of worship. Somebody may have a better one, probably they do. But my definition is, what is worship? Worship is seeing who you are. And I don't, I don't think you can worship unless you see who you are. Sometimes we miss that. It's understanding, you know what, I, I know the right thing, I'll do the wrong thing. You know what, I know what ought to stop, I keep doing it anyway. I know I have good intentions. I know I failed those intentions. I know that I'm lost. I know that I need a Savior. I know that even having a Savior, I still try to go back to the things of the world. I know who I am. And knowing who I am, then I see God. And I see He's gracious to me. And I see He's forgiving to me. And I see He didn't write me off. I'd have written me off. He doesn't write me off. I see that He loves me. And so I believe worship is knowing who you are and knowing who you are, seeing who God is. Well, the Bible says here, my act of service, and this is what he's saying, it's not some feast, it's not some church service, it's not some festival, it's not killing a bunch of animals and dragging them to the altar. My response of worship is to give my life to Jesus Christ. Now, let me, let me explain that. Here's where we've messed up. We've acted like that was a one-time event. 
Well, I remember in fourth grade when I gave my life to Jesus Christ. I remember when I was a sophomore at camp and I gave my life to Jesus Christ. I remember when I was 28 and those bad things happened and I gave my life to Jesus Christ. And we act like that was an event. Listen, friend, that was not an event if you actually did it. That is a continual process. And your response to Jesus Christ, yes, you're saved by faith, and that is an event. You become the righteousness of Christ, but the walk is walking it out. The response is saying, you know what? I see the cross. I see my Savior. And so I give continually my life to Jesus Christ. On this Thursday, I give my life to Jesus Christ. So I I wrap that up. We're getting ready to go into a whole section of what it looks like to live as a Christian. And my call is is this. And here's how I'm going to wrap this up. My call is not do better. Forget doing better. My call is not shape it up. You know what? I don't care. Don't shape it up. My call today is this. See Jesus. See Jesus. See the lamb that does not sin. And he goes and they nail him to the cross for my sin. See the lamb that takes my shame. You know, I I thought y'all didn't know about most of my stuff. They strip him naked as a grown man and march him up, walk him through a crowd and nail him to a cross. He takes the shame of sin. He actually becomes sin and he dies in my place. Pays the penalty. Put him in a grave, he's dead. Three days later, he walks out of the grave and the payment is paid, the receipt is issued and he stands as the risen king. My call today is this. Don't do better. See Jesus. Remember Jesus. Think about Jesus. Fix your eyes upon Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith. You know what? When you see Jesus, all the rest of this stuff's going to start to fall in line. The call is this. See Jesus. Glad you are here. Let me ask if you'll stand. I'll lead us in a word of prayer. Glad you are here. All right, let's pray. Dear Father, we come and I'm thankful for you. I praise you and I worship you and I thank you. And I come and I'm surrounded by these men and I see the hope of what could happen with these men. 80 years old, 70 years old, 40 years old, 20 years old. I see the hope of what would happen if these men saw Jesus and lived accordingly, lived in light of what they saw in Jesus. Lord, I pray that today we would leave here and we would understand I didn't deserve forgiveness, but I got it in the cross. I didn't deserve a relationship with God, but I got it in a Savior. I didn't deserve eternal life. I deserve something else, but I found it in a, in a faith in my Lord Jesus Christ. And I pray that that would influence how I talk and how I speak, how I do business, how I treat people, but most of all, how I live in honor of you. And I pray for the men in this room that we will be living and holy sacrifices set aside unto our Savior Jesus Christ. Help us in that, empower us in that, and be glorified in that. And I pray the fruit of that would be two things. Number one, that the world that's looking for men would find some men. And the second thing is that a world that's looking for Christ would see the glory of our Savior, Jesus Christ. We love you, Lord, and we praise you. And I pray in Jesus' name, amen. Glad you're here.